0: All right, you both say good morning, good morning. Let us begin Bar Hashem. A lot to do today. Begin by thanking our sponsor, the Tamadora sponsors, for the month of Tishrei. To thank Dr. Linda Weinberg, Sarah, and Ricky Gratz, Julia Arena, and Eve, in loving memory of husband, father, Zayda, Dr. Paul Weinberg, Peretz, Moshe, Ben Avram David. To thank Ayal and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Sherman this month in of Susan Rafushlima for Shulamis Bas Susha. To thank Adam and Yudit Benzev for dedicating the shiurim this month and the schools of all of our tilos being this Gabal. Our week of learning sponsors, Greg and Rachel Levitan, in commemoration of the first yard site of Greg's mother, Esther Bas Herschel, and in honor of the incredible organization, Renewal. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors, Menachem and Susie Schoenfeld, in appreciation of the Kihila. Gabi Kohn, Maishi Abramson, Avran, Avran Elbaum, the, Bal, the Balik Kriya, Shani Tapper, Alana Levinson, jonasson and Kaplan, and all those who contributed their time and effort so that we can enjoy a truly inspirational and uplifting yamdiv. Amen, amen. And I will say, with that, let that, let us, let us begin. So I will say, so we are picking up. Today's daft is Sadiq Gimel, 93, 93. And I will say, we left off at the Mishnah. We left off at the Mishnah. So we'll say, so really incredible, incredible sugi today. Here we go, ninety-three. Mishahaya nasui shalosh Someone who was married to three women. umeis. No surprise there, right? So so, so, so again. So, so the, so, so the Mishnah says as follows: So someone was married to three women, and he died. Now I we'll say, now in this case over here, right? He died. Obviously, he's married to all three women at once, and he he dies. So what's the halacha? Now we'll say, now this is a fascinating case. Now, each wife had a different value of a k'suva. So just for our purposes, let's call it again, the first wife has a, has a k'suva of 100 zoos, second wife of 200 zoos, third wife of 300 zoos. Now, ah, here's the problem. Now, That will say now, the estate only leaves behind the mana. Leaves behind the 100 zoos. So the shayla, of course is how do we go ahead and distribute the property? So what's the halacha? Cholkin Bishava. Ultimately, we just split up the we split up the one mana equally. Equally, so everybody gets 33.3 zuzim from the one money, from the one mana that is left in the estate. Hayushama you shama sign there?' say now, okay, so that, that, that's a basic case. That's a basic case. Three different k'suvas: 100, 200, 300. Only 100 zuz left in the estate. Take the 100 zuz, divide it equally between the three wives. Now, I will say, a couple of important qualifications in this Mishnah. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, Mm -hmm. I'm almost right across in Rashi. Now, I will say, this is a case of where all three k'suvas are dated on the same date. He married all three of these women on the same day. Now I say now again, it has to be that way, right? Because if it's not that way, then what's the halacha? Then what's the halacha? Right. Obviously, the earlier the k'suva, the earlier the claim, right. right? So it has to. In other words, anytime we're talking about three women sharing equally in the pool of the estate, it must be that they were married on the same day. And I've also said now the truth is, remember, it doesn't actually have to mean he married them on the same day. It just means that the k'suva is dated on the same day. So remember again, you could construct a case where you have k'suvas dated on the same day even if marriages, even if marriages happen on different days, but we don't have to get into that right now. Point, the point that we have is from a lien perspective, even though the value of the three k'suvas is different, 100, 200, 300, the date is the same for all of them, so therefore all of them effectively have the same lien right, on the estate. Good. So, Chol Kols Peshavah, Rashi says over here, Shariqoach Shloshton Shavah Mana, Tebekulu Ikamana. ikamana. I say, when you read this, it sounds strange, right, that all three of them, that all three of them split the first mana. After all, again, we would assume that the one who has a k'suba of 300 should have a higher, should have a higher, not higher, but should have a greater, a greater... Percentage. Yeah, percentage, or at least a greater, um, here's what we're going to see is, all of them have that same claim on the one hundred. That's really what happens over here. Because we will say, since all of them share a common denominator, that's what they all have. suva, that's what, that's what, that is worth at least a hundred. So therefore, in that first hundred, right, both wife one, two, and three all have the same claim. Okay, good. Therefore, they split that first hundred equally. Hayusham asayim. Aye. What happens? if there's 200 zoos in the estate. So same case, same case. Ruveim married to three women, right? Wife one, wife two, wife three. And therefore, again, but this case, same case. Wife one, k'suvah of 100. Wife two, k'suvah of 200. Wife three, k'suvah of 300. And now there's 200 zoos left in the estate. So what's Talacham? So the Gemara says, Shalmona, noteles chamishim, shamasayim, b'shal shloshmeos, shloshah, shloshah. So we'll say. Interestingly enough, the way this will work is like this: Wife number one gets fifty zuz. Fifty zuz. Wives number two and three both get seventy-five zuz apiece. Seventy-five zuz apiece. The Gemara will go through how we arrive. How we arrive at these numbers. So the Gemara says, "Good." Shabbos. Sorry. Shlosha. Good. Hayu what happens, so we'll say, so again, So case two, there's 200 zoos in the estate. If there's 200 zoos, wife one gets 50, wives two and three get 75 each for a total of 200. Again, we'll discuss how we get to those numbers. Hayusham Shloshmeos, what happens now if there's 300 zoos in the estate? We'll say, same case, wife one has a of 100, wife two a of 200, wife three a of 300, and now again, there's 300 zoos in the estate. What's Talachah? no telas chamishim. So the wife who has a ksuva of hundred zuz, she ultimately gets fifty zuz. She gets her fifty zuz. For shama maneh, the wife who has a ksuva of two hundred zuz gets a excuse me, hundred. For shisha And the wife who has a ksuva of two hundred zuz, sorry, three hundred zuz, she collects hundred and fifty zuz from the estate. So, in this case, the distribution will be 50, 50, 100, 150. So, we'll say, so those are the halachas. Those are the halachas. Now, the Gemishna just says, so we'll say, We're going to spend a good amount of time on this case because the truth is, this is absolutely riveting. These same halachas apply in business. Now, I will say, this is a very common situation. Gimel so I will say, What happens if halacha lamaisa? Three people, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, invested in a business together. Invest in the business together. And what happens? And we'll say, let's say they, they invested differing amounts. Differing amounts. Reuven invested 100 Zos. Shimon invested, let's just keep it parallel to the Ksuva cases. Right? Shimon invested 200 Zos. And Levi invested 300 Zos. So the Mishnah says, Now we'll have to see what this means, but what it sounds like is, if the business made money, Or lost money? Kach heim chulkin. Kach, now we'll say, again, all of these words are a little bit ambiguous, but it sounds like what the Mishnah is saying is that profit or loss sharing ratios are based on what? Based on what? Amounts of investment. Amounts of investment, so the amount you share in the profits, the amount you share in the loss, is fundamentally tethered to the amount of money you invested into the business. Okay, we're going to come back to, we're going to talk about that business case, because it's, it's absolutely riveting. But let's start with the ksuvah. Gemara, shamanonoteles chamishim, the tlossin, who de Islay. So we'll say, the gemara says like this, let's go to the first case. Right, in case number one, so ultimately again, Ruben is married to three women. Wife A, who of 100, wife B, who of 200, Wife see a ksuva of 300. In case number one, I will say, in the th- there's, one money, there's one mana, there's one mana, ultimately in the estate. So what's the halacha? Cholkin In case number two, in case number two, ultimately again, so I will say, Cholkin So the, the the way it said, I was saying again, I'm sorry, let me just, so the way, the way, it, the way it said, Cholkin b'shavah, Good. So the Mary says would mean what? Would mean what? 33.3 for each wife. But yet I say, if you look in case number two, so case number one just says they split it equally, but it doesn't say what? It doesn't say what? How they're splitting it. In case number two, where the Mishnah says there's two hundred those left in the estate, so ultimately again it says what? It says that in the first mana, wife number one. Takes fifty, right? So I which sounds like they're again splitting the first mana. But if you're splitting the first mana, doesn't that require a chalukah of thirty-three point three zuz per woman? Where do you get fifty? To which the gemara says, Amr Shmuel Masayim the Balas money din utvarem Interesting. So I say, so Shmuel is saying, what's the case? The case is where the wife with the k'suvah of two hundred zuz writes to the wife of Iksuva of 100 zoos, I have no claim on the first mana of the estate. Interesting. Well, if she has no claim on the first mana of the estate, that means that there are only two women claiming the first mana of the estate. We'll call it wife one and wife three. And that's why we'll split it f- literally 50-50. 50 zos, 50 zos. Okay. Ihaki I will say, but again, then look at the last case of the Mishnah. shalosh, shalosh, So I will say, so then again, in the last case of the Mishnah, ultimately, again, we're talking about each of the wives gets 150 zuz. Temala, hasalakta nafsha mina. Why doesn't he claim back again to wife number two? You removed yourself from this zuz. Ultimately, again, the only thing I removed myself. Was from the first manah, but I did not remove myself from any of the other manos. Okay, Hayusham Shalosh Meos. So we'll remember again, last case the Mishnah: if there was three hundred zuz, three hundred zoos left in the estate. So remember again, how do we deal with that one? How do we deal with that one? So we'll say so. Ultimately, wife number one gets fifty, right? Wife number two and wife number three get one fifty each. So it says the Gemara. So Hayusham Shalosh I don't understand the wife, wife number two, she gets a hundred, why did she get a (laughs) hundred? She should really get 75 if we're dividing everything. Shmuel, So we'll say, once again, Shmuel says, what's the case? The case is where the wife with the 300 Zuz K'suva, the wife with the 300 Zuz Um Writes to the wife of the two hundred zuz k'suva and the one hundred zuz k'suva. I have no claim on the first money with you. So, she, so wife of three hundred zuz k'suva is removing herself from the first money. I will say why she's doing that is irrelevant, but she's doing that. So, therefore, Rav Yaakov Minar Pekod M'shid Ravina Amar Reisha B'shteit Fisos Uvesefa B'shteit Fisos. So, I will say comes on Rav Yaakov of Minar said name of Ravina. The truth is both the Reisha and the Seifa. Are talking about literally tfisa means to, to take money, to seize money? What it means is that the funds are becoming available for collection in two different intervals. So here we go. Reisha Bishte Tfisos. What is Ray Bishte Tfisos? The Naflu Shivin Vichamisha Zimna. So it's very interesting. 75 Zos, 75 Zos became available at once. Now, when 75 Zos becomes available at once, they split that equally. Umeya, and then another 125 Zuz becomes available separately as well. Then I will say, ultimately, again, that will also, so 75 of that, will divide up equally, and the remainder of that amount will go to wives two and three. Similarly, again, the Seifa, the second part of the Mishnah, is also talking about, again, say, where the money becomes available for collection at two different intervals. So ultimately, 75 zoos becomes available at once, and therefore, when 75 zoos becomes available at once, it's divided equally between all three women. And then, what? And then ultimately, again, 200. 225 zoos becomes available at once as well. So the Gemara says, Tanya, zu Mishnas Rabbi All of this is Rabbi Nassan's opinion. i say, here we go, and this is perhaps the most important line of the Sugya. Rabbi Omer, <laughs> Rabbi says, no, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong. The halacha over here is that women in general split equally. Now I will say, let's talk about this for just a moment, because this is a fascinating halacha. Let me tell you outside for just a moment. The way that the Rambam is as follows. Let's talk about an ideal case. What's an ideal case? What's an ideal case? Right, where husband dies and there's enough money in the estate to satisfy all of the ksuvas. Now, again, I will say, remember again, there's a number of criteria to remember in this case. This is a very specific case. All three ksuvas are dated, same date. We're gonna talk about the last Mishnah on Ahmed which we'll get to today, Mirat Hashem. So again, we're gonna talk about where he marries wives at different intervals, so one wife has an earlier ksuva, a later ksuva. So obviously if the dates are already right, if you have what's the word? Different dated ksuvas. So the earlier the date, the precedence you have in collecting your ksuva. So again, we're setting up a case over there's no precedence. All three ksuvas dated the same date. Okay? That's crazy. That's the issue number one. Issue number two, different different amounts in the ksuva. Different amounts again, wife one, hundred, wife two, two hundred, wife three, three hundred. In, in a perfect world, Ruben dies, In perfect world, Rubain dies. There's enough money in the estate to satisfy all three k'suba debts. Beautiful. Done. Distribute. We're done. What's unique about this case? Not enough money in the estate. Not enough money in the estate. So now what's interesting is as follows. So the Mishnah seems to set up a situation when, when there's not enough money in the estate. So we're going to go ahead and start dividing things up in different ways. So I will say, just, just show you the, the, the way the Mishnah is structured logically. The way we look at money is we look at it in units of 100, because that's the way the Mishnah was set up. So you've got a, a, a first case is on a, a, a state that has 100 zuz, second case is in a state that has 200 zoos, third case is in a state that has 300 zoos. And I will say, when we look at that, we look at each zus and see what level of claim... Do each of the women have on the Zuz? So for example, on the first hundred Zuz, who has a claim on the first hundred Zuz? Who has that claim? All of them, right? Because remember, again, everyone has a minimum Tzuvah of at least a hundred Zuz. When you work your way up, who has a claim on the second hundred Zuz? Wives two and three, right? Who has a claim on three hundred Zuz? Right? The only wife three. So when you look at it that way, I will say that's how the Mishnah is approaching it. Comes so we work through this whole slogan. Yeah. And that's why the Mishnah has to kind of come up because the numbers don't really work if that's how you look at it. That's how the Mishnah comes up with these ideas. No, we're talking about a case where wife number two said to wife number three, th- sorry, wife number two said to wife number one. I have no claim on the first 100. So she's removing. So comes along Rebbe and says, stop, 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 stop. That's not how distribution works. If there's enough money in the estate to pay had all the exilvus, fantastic. The moment there's not enough money in the estate to pay for the ksubas, the default is split equally. Split equally. And I will say that's how you pass So there's not. So, therefore, again, in the a case like this, where you have three wives, right? One is owed 100, one is owed 200, one is owed 300. Kalach al-Maisa, dies, there's 300 zuz left in the estate, 100 zuz per wife. Th- that's what we're going to do. We're not gonna start getting into, we're not gonna start getting into figuring out hundreds of, because we will say, essentially, we can't look at an estate like that. We just look at the estate as a whole. No, there's not enough money to satisfy the debt, split everything equally. That's the halacha l'maysa. Next. So I will say, so now, let's see the impact of this on business. Because on business, this is a really riveting case. Take a look. The so Kiss. remember again, what the Mishnah said, what the Mishnah said, I don't think I printed this. Okay, oh look it up. Could what the Mishnah said was say was as follows. So the Mishnah says so too. You have three people, three Reuven, right? Shimon, and Levi, who put money into a pot for business. No. So the Lushna of the Mishnah was what? If the business, if they made money, lost money, this is how they divide a profit and losses. And we assume what is this is how this is how. In accordance with their investment, that's how they're splitting up profits and losses. So I'm we'll say, here we go. Listen to this case. So Ruben and Shimon invested in a business. Ruben put in 100 zuz. Shimon put in 200 zuz. So I'm going to say, incredible. What's that? They split profit and loss equally. Equally. Now we'll say, now you're going to see, we're going to see what's the logic. So again, even though their investment amounts are different, they're going to split profits and losses equally. So let's analyze. Rabbi, Rabbi says, So we'll say, this is incredible. When does this make sense? When does this make sense? This makes sense if Reuben and Shimon are, are partnering to purchase an ox for plowing together. So I will say, listen to this. If you're purchasing an ox for plowing, then everyone's investment is just as important. And I will say, imagine this just a moment, right? So the ox is 300 zoos, the ox is 300, Zos. The ox is 300 Zos. So Ruben invests 200, Shimon invests 100. Is Shimon's investment any less important than Ruben's? Is it any less important? No, why? Because he can't get the ox without Shimon's investment. The fact that Shimon invested less does not make his investment any less critical to have an ox for plowing purposes. So I was like, this is fascinating. So because, so, because his investment is no less critical, he's looked at in halacha as a 50 50 partner. I was like, I just want to put a caveat over here. This is assuming, of course that there was no partnership agreement to the contrary. Right? If Ruben and Shimon go into business together, and ultimately they have an equity partnership, so therefore again, in the partnership agreement it says, our profits and losses will be split along equity lines, okay, as they say, in al mal There's nothing to talk about anymore, because we've gone ahead and we have, we have, we have, we've papered that. This is talking about in the absence of an agreement. In the absence of a... Person. But it's such a fascinating idea. Essentially what Aloha says is, do we look at your investment as crucial? How do you define crucial, say, How do you define crucial? If I didn't make it, if I didn't make it, ultimately, again, would the results still be intact? So in this case, Ruben invests 200, Shimon invests 100 for the purchase of an ox for plowing. If Shimon did not make his investment, would ultimately the ox be plowing? The answer is no. So because of that, his investment is crucial, is crucial, indispensable. And therefore the halacha looks at him as a 50-50 partner. When your investment is an indispensable part of the result of the partnership, halacha looks at you as a 50-50 partner in the endeavor. Incredible. Incredible. However, however, says Rava. however, <laughs> but I must say, if halacha must listen to this, if let's say they bought, right, they bought a shore, but now ultimately again they're going to go, well, say take a look at Rashi, they bought together, right? They bought an ox to plough. The Kharshin, Moil Klum. And we'll say here's the chah, Rulain's portion doesn't mean anything without Shimon's investment. Therefore, hilchach, Cholkin in so, we'll so, so Rabba comes along, however, now back to the Gemar, Aval, v'sha'lach said, watch this, if they go ahead and they bought a shah to plow, but then they decide, you know what, let's barbecue, let's barbecue. And so what do they do? They chef the shah, then Rabba say, everyone what? Everyone takes in accordance with their investment. Now that makes sense, why? Why? Because here, you're literally Physically dividing up the animal. So, when you're physically dividing up the animal, there is a way to allocate 200 zos to Ruvein and 100 zos to Shimon. So, I'll say you hear the distinction when the partnership, essentially, when the partnership is in a dynamic activity. Dynamic activity could only occur because of the investment of both of them. I, one invested more, one invested less. That is true. But one's investment would be meaningless without the other. Then halacha ma'isa, they share in profits and losses equally. However, again, when we're actually talking about physically dividing something up, then halacha ma'isa, you can divide up in accordance with financial investment. So if they're now shechting the Reuven will get 200 Zos worth of meat. Shimon will get 100 Zos worth of meat. Look at Rashi. Zeno, Telphi, Ma'ozro, say first white line on top of the Sadiq, Rashi, Shari, Mishalek, Leivarov. You're literally dividing up the Acts. The Hadinoket, Reishas, Mechal, 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 Rishah, Rabu, Sashwin, and the Afagav, the Mechara, Daita, Demiflik, Bishaveh, Nachus the said, by the way, why do you have to say, why, why did we say this as a case of they originally bought the animal to, to plow and now they're going to go ahead and shecht it? Just say they bought it to shecht, you divide it up according to with investment because it's a Kiddush Rashi, he says. Even if they entered into the partnership for the purpose of purchasing an ox, for plowing purposes, right? In which case they were going to be 50-50 partners. And now they decided, let's shecht it and divide up the meat even though now things have transitioned, ultimately, again, they split in accordance with their investment. So I was say, this is wild. This is absolutely wild. So here we go. So just, let's just review this idea. So Shmuel comes along and says, Reuven and Shimon are investing money in a partnership, <coughs> right? Reuven, 200, Shimon, 100, to purchase an ox for filing purposes. The ox now generates income. How do they show? What's the profit sharing agreement? What's the profit sharing agreement? 50 50. Why? So Rav explains why. Well, Rab explains, sorry. Why? Because Halach Lameissa, even though they invested different amounts, Ruvain's high, higher investment would be meaningless without Shimon's lower investment. Shimon's lower investment would be meaningless without Ruvain's higher investment. Therefore, again, because they are both indispensable partners in the dynamic activity of the ox, they share in profits and losses 50-50. But says Rabbah, if they're actually going to shecht the animal and literally divide up the animal, pieces of the animal, and in that case, they will divide up in accordance with their investment. Incredible. Rav Nuna argues. Rafam Nuna, nope. So this is pretty wild. Rafam says it's natural, even if they're going to shack the animal. Even if they're going to shack the animal, ultimately, again, they go ahead and they divide up the animal equally. They divide up the animal equally. Pretty incredible. So we'll say so. This, so this is the machlokas. See here we go. So Let's analyze. So shnayim she'etfilu lakis zemana v'zemasaayim Haskar leemtza. So we'll analyze. Gemara quotes our Mishnah, and what did our Mishnah say? Two people invest money into a business, Reuben and Shimon, right? And ultimately, Reuben invested hundred, Shimon invested two hundred. Oh, okay, I was reversing it. What's the halacha? So we'll say, what does it mean? Haschar leemtza. So literally, again, profits are split down the middle. My love, say, Are we not talking about a case where they originally purchased an ox for what purpose to go ahead and to go ahead and plow? And then they decided to shaft it. So now they say, now they're literally dividing up the animal. And yet still, what does the Mishnah say? The Mishnah says ultimately again has emsa. I'm sorry, the Brisa says has emsa, emsa, which means that they're dividing it up equally, even if what? Even if they're shafting it, that refutes Rabbah's position, seems to side with Rav Nunav's position. No, no, no. We're talking about a case where they bought an ox for plowing purposes, and the ox is going to be used for plowing purposes. That's the case where they will split all profits and losses right down the middle. Aval, Shona Harisha Rabbi will say, if they bought an ox for plowing and then decided to shekt it, my, what's the halachon? Zeno telefima osav, ma'osav, telefima osav. Everyone takes literally in accordance with the amount of money that he's invested. Okay, says, if that's the case, if that's the case, adetoni Rabbi will say, let's look at the end of that b'raisa. And what does the end of the b'raisa say? Lokach zeh b'shaloh Rabbi will say, there's another interesting case, another interesting partnership case. Let's say, Reuven went ahead, Logey Rashi, zei shvarim b'ri'im b'masayim, v'zei shvarim b'mona. say, watch this case. Ruben went ahead and bought with his own money, healthy oxen for 200 zos. Shimon bought with his own money, so weaker oxen, thinner oxen for 100 zos, okay, v'nisarvu. arvu. will say, it's great. What does nisarvu mean? Right? Nisarvu means they made a partnership. In a partnership, right? You are it means like they got mixed up. No, no, they, they made a partnership. so they decided to make a partnership of all of their oxen. Oh, of no telefima osav. Ultimately, say, in that case, Ruvain. So then the partnership agreement is everyone shares in profits and losses in accordance with their investment. If that's the case, Savose, liflog Velisne Bidide. Why do have? don't even bring in this case, but rather again splice the Rasha case? How so? When is this so? When is this so that ultimately again, that ultimately everyone splits equally? So the Gemara says, when is that so? And I will well say, if you're telling me that the Bryce agrees with Rabba, namely that when the ox is being used for some type of dynamic activity, that is when Ruben and Shimon are going to split profits and losses equally, even though their investments are different. But if the ox is going to be shechted, then halacha maisa again, everyone gets in accordance with their investment, the, literally the amount being in accordance with their investment. So then, don't bring up this case of the seifa. Shimon so said, the safest case is illustrating that. Here in this case, Ruben bought healthy oxen with his money, Shimon bought weaker oxen with his money, then Is Arvu. they made a partnership. Then the price says, oh, in that case, Profit and losses are shared in accordance with investment. Why do you have to introduce a new case? If you want to illustrate a case of profit loss sharing in accordance with investment, just say like this. Just say that when they're actually shechting the animal, that in that case, everyone takes in accordance with their investment. To which the Gemara says, That's what it means to say. When is it so that Reuven and Shimon split equally, even though even though their investment amounts differ? B'shalach harisha the harisha. Rabbah say it's a case ultimately again of what of an ox that was, pur- that was purchased for plowing and is being used for plowing. Uh, so I we'll say so again. This is what we're going we're going now with Shmuel and Rabbah's understanding. Then so alochel when Reuven and Shimon are investing differing amounts but what they're using the short is for some type of dynamic activity, which obviously could not have happened without the investment of either of them, then what? Then halacha l'maysa, halacha l'maysa, they split the profits and losses equally. Because halacha says, since the result cannot have happened without either of their investment, they're looked at as 50-50 partners. However, however, naseh Zebishalo, zebishalow vezebishalow Arbu. I'm sorry. i sorry, sorry, sorry. So, Aval. So, that's when they split equally. When they're purchasing an ox and using an ox ultimately for plowing. However, Aval, Listen to this. If they went ahead, Ruben and Shemin. So, we'll say same case. Ruben invested 100, Shemin invested 200. Now, originally, they bought an ox for plowing purposes. However, But now they're going to shaft it. Now they're going to shaft it. So, what's the luck of in that case? Na'asei kimi shalakach That is, so the Shekita case is similar to a case of Ruvain bought his own herd. Shimon bought his own herd. They went ahead and they got, they, they, they combined their resources into a partnership. In that case, profit and losses are split in accordance with investment. So the Shekita case is like that case. And in the Shekita case also, if they're literally slaughtering and dividing up the animal, they will go ahead and split it according to investment. The Gemara says, Everyone takes in accordance with his investment. Incredible. So right now, right now, where the Gemara is holding is, Rav and Shmuel are understanding this, so let's just clarify. Rav and Shmuel are understanding that Halacha Lama Isa, Ruben and Shimon go into business with each other, partnership, they invest differing amounts. So, how do we split profits and losses? So the Gemara essentially says it depends. Rabishwa, Rab, Rab what does it depend on? If they're investing in something which produces a dynamic result. Good example of that would be plowing ox. Where again, the result could not have happened without the investment of both parties. Therefore, in the absence of a stipulated agreement, they share excuse me, they share in profits and losses equally. However, Halokha Well, we'll see what Halokha Lema'isa is. However, when ultimately, again, they have invested in an animal, and we are quite literally dividing up, physically dividing up that animal. Like now, we invested in a shar, we're going to shecht that shar. How do you go ahead and divide up the meat? In accordance with actual investment. That's what the Gemara is holding right now. Now again, that's in contrast to Rav Hamnuna, where Rav Hamnuna says, no, in every partnership, the default is 50-50, 50-50, unless otherwise stipulated, even if you have differing investment amounts. Okay, so let's finish this up. So the guy says, So I will say again, remember, what was our Mishnah? Let's go back to our Mishnah. What did I say in our Mishnah? Three guys, we've and in lady, all invest in a partnership. And I both said, we are assuming that the case of partnership in the Mishnah is parallel to the case of the Ksuvah in the Mishnah. Right? In the case of Ksuvah in the Mishnah, what did you have? You had three women, three different Ksuvas. So therefore, what are we automatically assuming? What are we assuming? They're talking about a case of three guys, three partners, Ruben, Shimon and Levi, all of them investing differing amounts. And now what happens? What happens? So Pekso, Siru, the business, right, either appreciates or depreciates. Ultimately, again, this is how this is how they divide up the estate. So the Gemara says, "My love, mamish, hosiro, hosiro mamish." So I will say does it doesn't that mean that literally the estate made money, the estate lost money. And I will say it sounds like from the Mishnah that how do they divide how do they divide profits and losses according to their investment? Because we will say, remember again the Mishnah's view on k'suva was how do you pay k'suva in accordance with the value of the k'suva. So the Mishnah sounds like it's paskiling, like, right? The, the, the is paskiling that when they invested the differing amounts into the estate, that's how they share in profits and losses. they we'll say, This is incredible. No, 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 no. Low, low, low. They'll Let say this outside, we'll they this. this is absolutely riveting. So you might say, Like this. No, no. What does it mean when it says it appreciates? The money of the partnership is still there. What it means is they were able to exchange the money for the partnership into better, higher level currency. That's what it means, hosiru. In other words, they didn't make more money. It's just the same money that has transformed into a higher level of currency. Or I will say, for that matter, halachah lemaisa. When it says they lost money, doesn't mean they lost money. Just the currency which they have was devalued. And is usable for nothing other. So astiro dutsunis <laughs> rabosei means it used to. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Rashi zuzi <laughs> chadetiv. Rashi says shematilin Zuzim yishanim vinasnu vinasnu ba'an atchina So rabosei they took the original partnership capital, a little original partnership capital, and was able to transform that very capital into newer currency. V'yotzineim b'otsal hilcha cholkin l'fi hamoz v'cholchad shakil. So say, listen to this. This is incredible. What's the case here? Ruben and Shimon and Levy all invested money. Ruben 100, Shimon 200, Levy 300. Okay. So I'll say now they have Zuzin. Let's say through a series of transactions, they were able to upgrade the nature of the currency. Now I will say in that case now, in that case, everyone shares in that currency in accordance with the proportion of their investment. What's the logic of that? What's the logic? What's the logic? Because it's the same investment capital. I was supposed to say. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Imagine the following scene, right? Ruvian and Shimon and Levi. It's very exciting. Ruvim, Shimon, and Levi come, Right? They come. They, they decide. They're sitting in the sukkah, let's do business. Let's do business. You don't have to transact business in the sukkah also. You should do everything in the sukkah. So we'll say, so what happens? I not have Right, so Reuven goes ahead. So they all sit down at the table on halamay. Right? Reuven puts 100 zuz down. Shipman puts 200 zuz down. Shit puts 300 zuz down. They make a lechayim mazal tov to the new partnership. Reuven says, you know what? I had a change of heart. I had a change of heart. We're going to go ahead now and dissolve the partnership, but the, uh, we did that feel me. The we have to dissolve the partnership equally, right? <laughs> probably incredible, right? But it's a fantastic investment mechanism, right? Right? You came in, you came in with a hundred, came with a hundred. Now, after all, lachayim, this does happen sometimes. After all, lachayim, right? So after all, you lose money, you make money. say, so, 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 so no, obviously that doesn't make any sense, right? Why not? Why not? Because halacha la'maisa. Because al-Maisa, we're going to go ahead now and watch? We're going to go ahead and divide up. in other words, when the partnership capital is there, so ultimately everything is divided in accordance with the actual capital. Everything is divided in accordance with the actual capital. So therefore, again, halacha so right in, other words, if the capital itself is extant, everyone goes ahead and divides up equally. So therefore, I will say the Gemara suggests as follows, that in this case over here, where they took the partnership capital and simply did what? Upgraded the actual capital, There's not, nothing's been transacted with the estate, I'm sorry, with the partnership. So therefore, everyone shares, everyone shares in their amounts equally. So because everyone shares in their amounts, good. Similarly, we'll say if the currency that they were using was devalued, everyone goes ahead and shares in that capital Equally, so we will say. So that's why the Mishnah, the Mishnah is not a riot. The Mishnah is about a case where the actual partnership capital is still there. Nothing's been done. So if nothing's been done, everyone shares in accordance with their actual partnership investment. So we will say that's how the suga ends. That's how the suga ends by the, the example of the of the capital being devalued. I'll we'll say if you look at Rashi, Rashi says. <laughs> so we will say this is talking about a case where halacha lemaisa, that that the currency used for the currency used was devalued, and I will say sometimes currency when it's devalued, all it becomes usable for is to put on the wound of a foot. So apparently, again, I guess some of the properties of the coin have certain healing, curative abilities. So the currency was devalued; all it's used for is for a wound. So good. So I will say suddenly, Pascal alach myself. So I'll share with you something amazing, Simon. To print it out, but I didn't. Uh, um, let me just pull it up here quickly. If I have it quickly, because it actually is a fascinating Shulchan Aruch. Shabbos, listen to this. So the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, this is in choshen Mishpat, and you can see in choshen Mishpat, simen, simen, kuf ayin vav, sif hei. Here we go, because no, this is an incredible, this is an incredible halacha. Hashutfin she'tilu l'kis. So Shabbos, here we go. So partners go ahead and invest, they invest in a, they invest in a property, or they invest in a partnership together. Zemone. Vezema sayim, vezeshin. So we'll say, so again, Ruben's investing hundred, Shimon's investing two hundred, Levi's investing three hundred. Or ruben Shimon, Levi. Good. Right? So what happens, I will say, Vinasku Kulum Mamonstam, will say, again, Shukalar points out, no partnership agreements. No partnership agreement, because obviously, if there's a partnership agreement, there's nothing to talk about. U pichsu ohosiru, and now they go ahead and either right, it appreciated, depreciated. Finish the the halacha? So the Gemara says. So ha pecha aschar o ha pechas beinayhem b'shove lefi minyanam velo lefi mos. They both say we pass in halacha We're going to see like Rav Hamnuna that in the absence of a stipulated partnership agreement, ultimately. Everything, all profits and losses are split equally among all of the partners. We do not look at the investment capital. Rather, halacha l'maysa, it is split in accordance with just 50-50. 50-50. So the Gemara says, Listen to this. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Now let's say this is true. we pass ingrauna. Like we pass like So whether they're purchasing a shard for plowing purposes, or they're purchasing a shard ultimately again, for slaughter purposes, in the absence of a partnership agreement, the halacha is that what? We split everything. Equally, he said everything equally. However, so, so again, this, there, there is there is more to this halacha. But bottom line, both sides, which is really quite a fascinating halacha, we pass in that in the absence of a stipulated partnership agreement. All partners will share 50, 50, or whatever, whatever, equally in losses and profits of the partnership. Obviously, if there is halacha l'maisa partnership agreement, everything is dictated by the by, by the details of that agreement. Beautiful. Let's see the Mishnah. Mishnah and usvedala nashim. So says, man is married to four women. Four women. Apparently, there was tchiyas hamisim since the last Mishnah. So what? He's married to four women. Now in this case, so over here, as Rashi points out. The Ksuvas have different dates. So umes, and then he dies. Harishona Kodemas l'shnia. Ultimately, again, the first wife takes precedence the second wife. Ushniya Lishlishis. Second wife takes precedence over the third. Ushlishis Liravius. Third wife before the fourth. So I want to say so again. This is all where their Ksuvas have different dates. First wife has earlier dates, second wife has later dates, so on and so forth. Rishona mishpas l'shnia. So we're going to see that for the first wife to collect. She has to take an oath that she, ha- that she has not previously collected her ksuvah. She has a- so wife one takes that oath to wife two. the shlishis. Wife two takes that oath to wife three. Shlishis to Wife three takes that oath to wife four. Aye, what about wife four? Wife number four collects her ksuva even without a Bananas Benanas, Benanas says, shiach rona because wife number four was the last one, ultimately she gets to collect without a shvuah. Afhilos sifra ella She also takes shabbos. I understand the shvuah over here is a shvuah that the wife has to swear she has not previously collected her k'suva money from any other source. So the gemara said, listen to this. What happens if all the k'suvas were dated exactly the same day? Kala I will say then we look at what hour they got married. Let's say again, so we look at the hours. So in other words, if all the k'suvas were dated on the same date, we look at maybe who's earlier in the day. And Reboah said, listen to this. The Ka'chayu Kolsim yushalayim shows. Reboah said, in Yerushalayim, they wouldn't just put the date of the Ksuvah, but rather what? They would put the time of the Ksuvah as well. Ha'chayu Kulon Yotos B'Sha'achos. So Reboah said, what happens if all the k'suvas?" have the same date, have the same time, then I will say, ultimately that reverts back to the last Mishnah. Then again, if there's only a limited amount of money in the estate, then I will they'll all go ahead and divide equally. I will say, Shkoyach. We are privileged to continue today in Silas Yishar, and today we will conclude Emir Hashem the Third parak. So the Ramchal continues, and he says, "Kina so davar Remember again, in the last year, he gave the mushal that life is often like these life-size mazes, that a person begins on a particular path, and until a person is able to get to the platform in the middle, where one is raised above the the maze, only then is one able to see the derech, the path that will allow one to ultimately reach their intended goal. So the Ramchal writes as follows, The same is true with life. If someone has not yet asserted dominion, or reigned in his or his desires, he's essentially living a life where he's stuck in the paths. And unable to tell the difference between the paths but those who are able to rein in their yetzer, not to conquer it per se, but at least to rein it in so that I control it, it does not control me. So there are writes over here. So often, if I'm not in control of my yetzer, I'm not in control of my desires, my wants, my proclivities, so often they will steer me down the wrong paths in life. But if at the end of the day I know someone, I have someone in my life. Who has made it to the middle of the maze and who stands perched above the maze and is able to see the maze in its entirety? That individual has the ability to direct me as to which direction in life I should go. So the says amazing. So imagine for a moment you were able to meet someone who made it to the end of the maze, or I should say, the middle of the maze. He made it to the platform in the middle, so he's he's raised above all of the different paths in the maze. He knows exactly which are the right paths, which are the dead ends. What would he say to you? What would he say to you? Islam says something amazing. What would he say to us? Islam Chal says, you know what they would tell you? Live life with a Chalbun. It's a play on the Pasuk, but live life with a Chalbun. Meaning what? Be the kind of person who lives life with zihirus, who lives life with awareness, who lives life with a sense of cognition, a sense of introspection. Don't be the kind of person who acts first and thinks later. But again, going back full circle. Be the kind of person who identifies what is the Tov Amiti, what is the ultimate good, what is the Raha Amiti, what is the ultimate negative, what actions will, will lead me towards the Tov Amiti and prevent me from being ensnared by the Raha Amiti. That's, that's what the person in the middle of the maze would tell me. Think before you act, have clarity, have introspection, clarity of mind. Decide where you want to get to and then identify which actions will help you get there. Daver. says the general principle is It's a very profound statement. Very profound statement. says the general rule in life is a person has to be aware, thinking, and thoughtful at all times. And he has to set aside a time. To be alone with himself and to think, what is the true path? What is the path of Torah that a person has to walk on? In other words, zihros person, and the Remchal over here, we'll discuss this more in the next chapter, but a person has to actively set aside time for this pursuit. Because like anything else, I don't set aside time for it, it just doesn't happen. After a person identifies what is the best path for him to take, then I could ask myself, will these particular actions advance me on the path or derail me from the path? Because <laughs> if a person identifies the path they want to take and then identifies which actions will help me along this path and which ones will derail me, such a person has the ability to be successful. Such a person has the ability to become pure. Such a person has the ability. To ultimately straighten out his or her life. So a really a really profound idea that Ramchal is advancing this concept, this concept that first, I think the metaphor of life being a maze is such an important one because we all experience this at different times. We go down a path and at first the path looks good. At first the path looks correct. And then over time, I only begin to realize I'm hitting a dead end. I'm hitting a dead end. Then i says it doesn't have to be that way. If I think ahead before I act and I identify the path I want to take, a good path, now I need to make sure I'm choosing the right path. And then before I act, I ask myself, Will these actions lead me further on the path I want to go? Or will they lead me on a different path which could be self-destructive? If I analyze each of my decisions through that prism, suddenly... I'm making well-informed life decisions. And suddenly, everything I'm doing is helping to contribute towards my greater life advancement. We'll stop over here. Mazel Tov on finishing the third chapter of Perek Avos. Looking forward on Sunday. Miras session to beginning Perik Dalid. Have a wonderful Shabbos.